Forest Podcast is supported by viewers, listeners, and businesses just like you. Looking for the best pool supplies? Look no further than Doheny's Pool Supplies. With a history dating back to 1967, this family-owned business offers everything families need to keep their pools clean and sparkling from chemicals to equipment. Plus, customers enjoy free shipping on all orders. Visit Doheny's Pool Supplies today at Doheny.com, D-O-H-E-N-Y.com to learn more. Forest Bluff Real Estate Team serves Illinois, Wisconsin, Lake Forest, and Lake Bluff. John Josephitis, Laura Lee Van Fleet, and of course, Michelle Parnell. Get a free market analysis now at forestbluffrealestate.com. For the best cannabis in the world, look no further than Iliad Epic Grow. Owned by Lake Bluff's own Rich Ruzich, they are a cannabis cultivation center focusing on hard-to-find small-batch products that will delight both the occasional user and Ganjier. When visiting Michigan, ask for it by name, Epic Products, Exceptional Process. For more information, email info at iliadgrow.com. Havy Communications has been helping first responders arrive safely since 1983. It's owned by Lake Forest own Mike Havy. Check them out at havycommunications.com. We'd also like to say we are thankful for our Patreon supporters. Matt A., Elizabeth C., Costa, Lance, Otto, RDM, John C., and shout out to the Lake Forest Breakfast Group, Broadstop and Captain Mike's in Kenosha, the Greentown Tavern, and the Frolic Lounge in Waukegan. <laughs> Jeffrey Brickhead, Felice yes, Lynn, welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast once again. Thanks, Pete. Parents care, Lake Forest, Lake Bluff. What's going on? Who are you pissed off now? Well, listen, I uh, I, don't, I don't think. Uh, let me say this: our mission has re- remained remarkably boring um, in a, in an overall sense. That again, we push for the three main things all the time: student outcomes, you know, student achievement judged by the most objective means, not subjectivity, uh, fiscal responsibility, and transparency. Those are, those are our mission goals. They've remained the same since day one for very valid reasons, and we think we've had a very disciplined approach towards putting that out there in the community. I agree. You guys are definitely uh, more eloquent than I am, and that's not really <laughs> too hard to do. But Well, Philippe uh, and Frank are. <laughs> Frank. Be modest, Jeff. <laughs> so, uh, Help me out now. Just a guy here that's paying another thousand dollars a year in taxes. Uh, the 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 referendum gets passed by a a hair. I'm not even going to tell you what kind of hair. And uh, there was a meeting last night that I saw, and it looks like they cut a bunch of the uh, support staff. You know, the admins, the library admins, the teacher administrators. Is that an optics thing there? Because I was kind of. I'm sad people lost their jobs, but I'm kind of happy that they're trying to cut some of the administration, but it seems like they went to the very bottom branches, not anywhere towards the top. Am I, am uh, I correct? Well, let me let me put my businessman hat on for a second about that, okay? First of all, we've seen this pattern all too often when it comes to the way the way, you know, money spent at these school districts, right? I worked on a big project at U46 Elgin, the second largest district in the state that dealt with the exact same issues. You know, when we look at the top heavy nature, well, let's start with, let's start with the fact that it's been represented to us, warranted to the population many, many times that there's no fluff in this district administrative structure, right? That's the exact wording of our superintendent, quote, no fluff. 
Well, the fact is, if you look at the student to administrator ratio, if you look at the teacher to administrative ratio, and you look at the budget in its entirety, you'll see that we can't even compare ourselves to our traditional peer groups. We spent, there, there's, there's un, unquestionably a lot of overhead that was not required even, let's say, five years ago. If you only have 1,400 it, kids, it's like, why is the school even open? I mean, I said that, nobody else, but it... it well, administrator headcount has grown over the last four years substantially while student population's gone down. You know, the budget has gone up close to a quarter, close to 25% over four years while student population's gone down. Look, like I always, I always joke, the reason they have the number of people in the business office that they do is because nobody would approve one more, you know? Um, you know, and we see that, you know, we see that in business, you know, there's a, there's an incredible temptation for, let's call it, you know, kingdom building in these types of th situations where you're not spending your own money, but your, your concern is exactly well-placed. I think it's kind of, um, kind of, I don't know, I don't know what you would say, but the, the situation requires an entire structural review of the way our costs are set up as, as a district whether you look at shared services in its entirety or you look at these districts individually. None of this is a good story, but these costs have been built in in such a way, and the story's really told by the the, the big, reason, big raises that were handed out. So again, to, you know, to look at eliminating a library assistant, hey, if it's unneeded, it's unneeded. However, let's look at the student-facing roles. Let's look at the roles of the people who are in front of the students actually teaching, and let's talk about how we get our most out of those roles versus how we get our most out of out of the the hundreds of administrators that we have between twenty grand a year. What's that? I mean, just, just just we don't have hundreds of administrators. Just to be, just to be clear, it's not hundreds, but um. But well, let me well, say hundreds of non-teaching roles. Not Let's say hundreds of non-teaching roles. That's that's what I mean. When I say administrators, I mean a small a. But yeah. we have hundreds of roles that are not student facing between these two districts. You only need look at the state mandated reporting to see that there are hundreds of non student facing roles that the emphasis should be on and cost cutting as opposed to these student facing roles. Well, anytime you have a reduction in force or riff, okay, in the real world, okay, it comes out of the blue. You don't know it's coming, unfortunately. And that's just how it is. You got to cut and you got to make cuts. And whoever's at the bottom, you know, gets it first. I, the reason I bring it up is. Is that an optics thing that they do that says, all right, we got our 105 million, let's cut off some of these admins. Is that an optics thing or is that planned all along? What do you think? I think, um, I mean, there's certainly an optics issue around one laying off, uh, I don't know, cutting, I should say cutting positions. I, I only watched part of that school board meeting last night. I haven't got to the full thing, but but um, reducing positions. Well, the comments, comments were over a half hour. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I posted it up nope. on the site. I saw some of it. Yeah. Um, and giving management raises, you know, and, uh, you know, in the shadow of the school bond referendum last week, the uh, 67 and 115 both gave pretty hefty administrative raises, uh, pay raises, you know, uh, superintendent Montgomery got a new contract. They canceled his old contract retro back one year and gave a massive new, uh, uh new contract. But plus there's 15 on average, we saw about 15 to 18%. It's kind of hard. It's a little nuanced, but about 15, 8% raises, uh, for a series of, you know, on average for, for a bunch of administrators, 115. And well, wait, let's go to the, let's go to uh, Montgomery for a second. 
Wasn't that part of the deal? Was that already negotiated when he took the job? That if he, he would have got the money, they would have redone the deal. Was it? Wasn't that already the plan? Well, I'm not. A, I'm not a lawyer anymore, <laughs> but um, I think deals. But you are, are on this in, podcast. Lawyers uh, deals are generally done in, in contract relationships. He had a five year contract, I believe it was Jeff. Am I Wait. right? I think it was a three-year contract. Three-year contract, thank which, you. Which yes. Pete, the second year hadn't even expired yet. And if you look at the own, if you look at the board's own notes that have been promulgated and the press release, they essentially tore up the old contract mid-contract and said, "Here's a new five-year contract." Which I think you know anybody who's in business would scratch their head and say, "Wait a minute, you had a contractual obligation that you vol." It's kind of like negotiating against yourself. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go out and say, "You know what? Let let's do this." I know you have an obligation, but let's increase the cost to the community in light of now fill in the blank. I mean, you, you know, to, to speak to someone's intent, I think is it's a little, you know, it's a little risky, but um, it certainly, it makes little sense to tear up a contract in the middle of that contract and say, here's a new five-year, much richer contract that in the end would represent basically a 40% increase over where he is right now in year five that compensation will be about 40% bigger than it is right now under contractual obligation. And, and we don't know what, what, what the discussions were going on behind the scenes. Maybe superintendent Montgomery was saying like, I'm going to leave. I got this bond pass and now I'm going to leave, go back to Ohio or something like that. But uh, you know, I mean, I think he might be playing a little poker with the school board and I, you know, I, I think I might want to play poker with those guys too, because they, uh, they capitulated pretty quickly, you know? And um I think it goes to a larger issue that we have. Um, parents cares. We would we think we would like to see our school boards do a better job of um, of looking providing oversight over the administration of these of these school districts. You know, uh, and it goes back to a lot of issues with the caucus and different sort of things. But I'm not sure that I don't see it. It may be there, and I don't see it. But I think the focus a lot is on collegiality and on do on supporting the Montgomery and supporting the administration. And I I don't see. A, you know, and I've had conversations. I'm sure the school board members will take issue with what I'm saying, but, but, you know, I think as a, as a dad, as somebody in the community who's trying to pay attention and doing the best that he can, I'm not seeing the oversight responsibility being taken uh, with adequate vigor. And, um, you know, we're taxpayers, we're parents, and we would like the school board members to assert dominance over the admin and not, and right now it seems like the administration is dominating the school boards. Philippe, here's the magic, here's the magic wand, wave it over the school board. What are they going to do differently? What's the first, most important thing? Uh, uh, Jeff, you probably have yours, but I could, I could give a couple. Uh, it's a big wand. Mine's a big yeah. wand. Yeah. yeah. That's what she yeah. said. All right, Jeff. Yeah. Start. Um, well, thanks. Our number one policy priority that we've been calling on for a long time is we don't know what success looks like in one year, three years, five years at these school districts. Um, Superintendent Montgomery did mention that he's coming up with some met that they're coming up with some metrics that they're going to produce next summer or something like or this summer, but I, we haven't seen them. So we're left scrapping around, going on the internet, trying to find. Illinois report card, you know, we don't know if this one test is the end all be all, but we don't, we have to make up our own idea of success as, as kind of community members. We think it's the school board should put on pressure on the, on the administration to come up and identify what does success look like so that, that we, so that one, it will help clarify management probably way more in the culture, way more than 
product of a learner or portrait of a learner will ever do by saying, here's what success looks like. And, and clearly articulating what the community believes success looks like academic. And, and they could come up with their qualitative and quantitative metrics, but we need a way to understand it so that we can hold them responsible or congratulate them. And then I would say second to be, when you talk about administrative races, <clears throat> I don't know how it works in education, but I like baseball. You know, there's all these contracts, but performance-based metrics, you know, like, hey, you hit 125 RBIs, then you get your new contract or you get a, you get a escalation. I, I don't know if Montgomery's co contract or these administrative contracts are tied to performance. You know, they, they said, hey, they've done such a great job. Well, we're not seeing it. We're seeing record low school results, academic performance. We're seeing a lot of effort being placed on a school bond referendum and not <clears throat> on, 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 on the things that we think are important for our children. And so we would like uh, we would like the uh, these raises to have been pushed off and and tied to performance based clear performance based metrics so that so that we can uh, align payment administrator payment with um, with the type of academic results that we for our should, should we look at a school like it's a for for profit business or is that not the way to go Jeff well no I, I would Pete I respectfully say that it's probably not the way to go however okay. at the same time you know we we have to look at the role of the school board as one of a fiduciary for the benefit of the taxpaying community. In other words, you know, if you remember our last show, we talked a little bit about the driver's ed programs and those are totally valid concerns. And, and, and I, I recall Sku said, you know, words to the effect of, well, you guys don't want the, these guys to make good money. Um, we're talking about the driver's ed teachers. Well, I would, I would say that's the entirely wrong way to look at it. What you need to look at is say the school board, and, to, and my concern, student achievement is number one, but they have a fiduciary obligation to the community. They are elected to be the watchdogs for the benefit of the community about student performance, about, about you know, total spending uh, concerns and parameters. But the thing is, ask yourself this, back to the driver's ed teacher, or any, any number of a bunch of concerns. Where does the school board or the administration or the, the district as a structure have the right to have the community spend more money when something can be done in a more efficient manner. In other words, they have no right to just support what a superintendent or a district or an administration would put forward because they're the administration as superintendent. Now I've had school board members tell me to my face, we think our role is to support the superintendent. In fact, I've had them tell me to my face, we think the role is to support the superintendent unanimously. And I just, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. The job of the elected board or commission locally is to look at what's going on and say, is this in the best interest of the community? And in the form of education, it's for providing, you know, the, the highest student achievements, not as a business would do, look at the profit. Well, listen, it, it starts with the assumption that we're here to have the highest student achievement possible, right? And we haven't seen that. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of the frustration that really went around forming parents care. It's like everybody's talking about these subjective kind of soft issues, but like like you know, Philippe just said, nobody said what success looks like. What's the percentage of people being on appropriate grade level for math, English, and science that we should be happy with? What's what's the spending levels? Now we know Stevenson, Nutrier are out achieving us in every possible way, though we're spending substantially more. We know for they're students. doing substantially better with student outcomes. Then we have, even though we have substantially more administrative support than those schools do, it's that's that's really the paradigm we're trying to address. 
How do we get the most out of our schools? And I think it all starts with the school board. It starts with leadership on the school board. But but we but we have to mandate that performance is the is the primary metric here. And until somebody wants to say this is what success looks like, it's awfully hard to grade the performance of, of anybody, right? I mean, you think about business, you have objectives, you have goals, you're evaluated on those things. We don't have those. So with respect to teachers, look, I, I I'm a lot more comfortable with money going in to the teachers and to the classrooms. That was our complaint about this bond issue. You know, where's the concern about student outcomes? Where's the concern over the classrooms, the teachers and the students? When we saw this, we saw this Marshall Plan, post-World War II Marshall Plan type effort on the bond. I mean, we saw we saw every stop pulled out with the bond. And I don't I don't take issue with that. But how do you how do you reconcile that effort? versus the lack of attention placed on student outcomes. Parents care is not about just bagging on the, the school boards and the school districts all the time. And so I wanted I wanted to, if you don't mind, Pete, just just highlight something that we've we've been monitoring and are, are excited about. Um, uh, District 67, we've been we've been uh, happy uh, uh, with a lot of things that they've been doing, particularly, uh, you know, we put out a call, talked about these these academic performances on English and math and um, and, uh, you know, these guys have done some self-evaluation at District 67. That's Deer Path and the, and the elementary mm-hmm. schools in, in uh, Lake Forest. And they, they apparently agreed that they needed to do better, which we were happy to see. And then they set out and put out a pilot program. They, they, they evaluated their curriculum. They tried a few different curriculums, tested it out replace this Lucy Calkins curriculum that, that uh, I think has been a national failure. Um, and they, they, what's it called again? I think it's the Lucy Calkins. It's very, what the uh, hell is that? I would, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an a- expert, but I would say it's a non-rigorous, non-rigorous uh, uh, English and, and, and reading uh, approach. Weak. Non-rigorous. weak, weak, maybe. Um, okay. So they, they, they found one. I, we've heard positive things about the one that they, that they've picked. Obviously we're not experts on that stuff, but we're uh, cautiously optimistic. They also did an evaluation against some of these other school districts that Jeff's talking about that we're not competing with as well as we should be. And they realized that they were putting in fewer hours for these kids. Our kids were getting much fewer hours doing English and math than their contemporaries at other North Shore schools. And so they've readjusted the uh, schedule. I went to one of their meetings where they were kind of floating this idea and and they've readjusted the schedule. So our our kids in the elementary schools are going to get uh, more math and more English core core subjects uh, it, that are that put them on on par with the other kids. So we think that's very positive, responsible. Listen, it's one thing to have produce low scores. If you're going to produce low scores and not do anything about it, we're going to scream from the from the high heavens and t- you know because that's a problem. But if you're going to make s- structural changes and make an effort to try to improve it. We're gonna. We want to be the first people to congratulate you. So, if there's anybody watching the District 67 board or in the administration, oh, they're watching. They commented at the at the meeting last night because they cut uh, the science and the social studies. So that teacher went up there pissed because uh, they they cut down the amount uh, every other day. For, you know, for those classes. Yeah, there are. So. There, I mean, it has it has to come out at some 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 things. You know, but um, you know, the the core subjects. We think that that's our editorial position on that. Obviously, there's you know every policy is going to have somebody who's upset and somebody who likes it. Well, Pete, the mere fact that they're taking uh you know a, a new view of how they're they're administrating the process of education is something that we have to applaud, right? 
they they did sample testing. They did they did reviews within every school and they evaluated. They had they had sample groups testing these programs in every school and they made changes. And that shows the kind of mindset that that we think is something that should be inherent in the whole educational process. But yeah, we, we when we look at the testing coming up, we've seen refocus on the part of the administration about advertising how important these uh, these standardized tests are for evaluation tool. And I think that's that's laudable. I mean, we're happy to see that the mere fact that they would look at something as such a mainstay as Lucy Calkins and say, hey, this is not working. So, you know, what do you do with the first thing you're in a hole? You just stop digging. So we're going to stop making it worse and we're going to look towards alternatives and implement those with with an objective eye. And the woman who's uh, her name escapes me right now, but the woman charged with doing that has been very communicative about it, very positive very objective and saying, hey, th- we're not happy with the way these results are and we're going to make changes. And Sounds like we, been, we should have her on the show. She's been masterful in communicating about that. And I, I dropped her a couple pieces of correspondence too. And I'm I'm very encouraged. And I dropped a piece of correspondence to Sam Paulson, the 7-8 head over there. And I said the same thing. I said, look, who knows how it'll turn out? But the mere fact that we're taking a position, we're taking a stand that we will make changes and we're open to making changes rather than defending something that we know is not working. So that's no, I'm I'm very happy. I mean, I, we saw I, that I, with the Lake Bluff Elementary School. Their their response was opposite. They're like, "Hey, we're doing great. We're fantastic. Everything we do is perfect. You know, don't worry about the scores. The scores aren't important. Uh, you know, if I was if I was a parent at Lake Bluff, I'm not. But I would I would uh, I would have concern with that with that approach with with that approach. You know, w- you know, ignoring the data and and just continuing on. Um, you know, I would have, I would have, I would have concern with that. So I know and so, plenty of parents in Lake Bluff do. So, so compensation has to motivate behavior. So the degree that, that the teachers have control of the kids, I mean, the parents have to play a role too. It's almost like a 50, 50, 50, 50, you know, partnership there, uh, you know, I would think. So from the teachers on, oh, you're going to judge me on these scores. Well, Maybe there's outliers and you can, you know, judge them on the middle or whatever. How how would you compensate them on that? I don't need specifics, but what would you do? Well, first of all, I would say that we don't know how to evaluate the schools because they haven't told us how to evaluate them. <laughs> so we're basing it off these, these exams, you know, to the extent that they might be like, hey, you're judging us on these tests. We don't know how else to do it. Um, so that's how we're doing it until they until they tell us what success looks like. That's all. That's all we got, you know. Um, but Jeff, I don't know. Do you want to answer Pete's question? Well, you know, listen, you know, when you when you take a large enough sample of a population, that sample unequivocally starts to look like that population, you know, just to put your statistics hat on. So when you say what's our most what's our most reliable tool that we can lo- use for these performance, um, you know, reviews, you know, you would you would say objectively it's the state test. But certainly it's not all encompassing. You know, in the same way you look at financials, I don't think anybody would say the financials should be the same across the board at all North suburban school districts. But you have a tremendous, tremendously long history to look back on. You have trend lines and, and you try to correlate performance with spending in the most objective way. And so I, I would echo what Philippe says. We don't purport, you know, we don't purport to have all the direction when we when we at what we do have available to us and again we're not you know we're not trying to purport to say do this do this do this but that's something we rely on the interaction between a board and administration 
to do that. I mean, in a, we want to be told how we're going to have succeeding schools. We want to be told how we're going to have the highest achieving schools. Well, let's look at it from a business aspect again. If this were a business, uh, marketing would play a role in sending out a survey, uh, call it a net promoter score. Would you recommend this school to a friend or, you know, colleague or another parent? Yes or no. You know, what would what would the answers come back? I think that would be something where I'm sure it would skew negative on your side to whoever re responds to you. But, you know, the, the school, part of the reason why you guys are around is because they have their own little marketing program and the parents can only see that side of things. It would be nice to see what the parents actually think of the school that their kids are going to by grade and maybe have a, a bit of compensation on that. I don't, I, I don't know. Thoughts, gentlemen. Well, I'm a, you know, I send two kids to, to the school. I know Jeff does too. And Frank does as well. Um, you know, so I, I'm happy, you know, like I like personally the, the experience that my kids are getting. So, um, so that's good. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I love Lake Forest high school. I love deer path. I love Sheridan where my kids went to. I think these are great schools and I want them to be better. You know, I share, you know, there's a lot of people working really hard and I, and I share that they, we, we, we wanted to make it better. And we think it gets better with an engaged community. If parents are involved, if the communities are involved and they're over saying and they're active, it's better. It's, it's better. If we go away and, and just trust them and say, Hey, you know, we trust your judgment. You guys, you guys won a non-competitive election a couple of years ago we trust you wholeheartedly. You know, you got the endorsement of the caucus. We entrust you wholeheartedly. That's a recipe for disaster. And the who's going to get hurt? It's going to be my kids. It's going to be your kids. And and um, we, sometimes we see policies that seem to be not in the best interest of the kids. And sometimes we see policies that are in the great interest of the kids. And we're trying to be responsible members of the community to try to help uh, help our schools do better for our kids with a mind for the taxpayer. And by the way, uh, the woman that we were trying to think of at District 67, uh, we want to give her a shout out, Director of Teaching and Learning, Val Kaiser. That's the Val that's Kaiser, the, tip of the Val hat. Kaiser. Exactly. Tip of that to Val. Thank you, Val. Now, no, let, let, me, let me go ahead, go let ahead me Jeff. Let me a little bit on what Philippe just said. You know, the, the success for us, meaning a parent's care, addresses some of the things you just said, Pete. The highest achieving schools that we can possibly have here in Lake Forest that are reminiscent of, of its, of their glory days. But I would offer that anybody we talk to, I make it a point of saying, Hey, look, there's nobody's more pro teacher, pro classroom or pro student than we are. Now you can interpret a little bit what those individual, you know, components mean. But the fact is we're all about achievement. What gave the whole Genesis to, to parents care was that if one was to move in this community and just literally look at the material come out of the communications department at 67 and 115, you would say, things have never been better. Oh my gosh, we just couldn't be happier. There's never been more responsibility in the way there's a fiduciary oversight of the district. It's never been more transparent and the students have never achieved more that, that, that we've got record schools. Well, the fact is that wasn't accurate. And while I would never say that we were formed to provide an alternative narrative, we were here to be as objective as possible. And we believe, again, sunlight, 
you know, is the best effect on all these, uh, all these, all these factual metrics. What we want to do is we want people to start with, you know, looking at what the true story is behind these schools and do it in such a way where it's going to encourage more community involvement. I don't know how anybody would say that these school districts are not better up the town is not better off with more involved and not just parents. You know, I happen to have six kids, four of them still in the system here, but even people whose kids, you know, have graduated a long time ago, people who have children too young to attend school, but, but the community being involved, there's, there's no way that every one of these bodies don't function better with a more engaged citizenry. And that's what we're after. But the idea that, you know, I, I would say that maybe the current MO is come to a school board meeting and, uh, you know, we, we really want to hear what you have to say. You have two minutes, go. That's not, that's not that's not what we're after. We're after things that people can really look at, ask these hard questions, evaluate people. Um, well, they evaluate can come on here. What's that? They can come on here. Yeah, absolutely. I think they should. I would love to see school board members come in because I've had conversations with them and they make very good points to counter some of the things that we're saying. And I, we tell them, Hey, we'll correct any factual inaccuracies. You know, we may have difference on narratives, but I hope they do. I really hope they do. I think they're too much. I think, downside. I think there's a lot of focus on institutional protection and like, can't have a school board member dare go on talk directly to the public. I think that's a huge strategic mistake. They don't need to run it through the administration communications department to share things. We elect them. They are directly responsible to the people and they should talk directly to the people, not through the institution. They shouldn't have to talk through the institution. So, you know, if you're, if you're a school board member out there talking, there's no law, there's nothing. The caucus will, will still love you. The community will still love you if you come and talk directly to the people. You do not have to go through the institution. You, you're elected by us, you know? The only person sitting up there at those meetings who isn't elected by us is Matt Montgomery. He sits up there like he's on the board of directors, which is such a weird sort of optics to me. To me, he is employed. And by the fact that he sits there in the middle of those guys is kind of a sort of a weird sort of optics thing. Where, where should he Where should he sit? He should sit with the administrator. With the rest of the administrative staff, Pete. He should be over with the administrative staff answering to the board. Has it always I mean, been like that, people, though? What's that? Has know. it like is that? I don't know. I've, I've never, I've never, I've never seen it like that. But I can tell you, Pete, when I ran a state agency, yeah. all the civil servants, the people employed to, under the, my eleven-person regulatory body that I oversaw and chaired, they sat to the side. They were there to answer to the board, and that was a very important optic to say. Hey, you're here to answer to the board. The board is the people. It's elected by the people to speak for the people. They earned it. They earned that spot, you know? Okay, fair enough. How about this? None, none of those guys are going to, or gals are going to come on. I don't think Montgomery will come never on be. again, unless he needs another vote. I, I, we probably won't see him again. Uh, <laughs> do we know uh, somebody on a school board or was on a school board in another district where we can come up with some metrics on our own and present a plan because if he, if we're going to wait on these guys to put some metrics together that's never going to happen we need look like steve Jobs says people don't know what they want till you show it to them and say look is it reasonable to ask hey a 10 percent increase in math and science scores well, well Pete, no. you know i have a i have a lot of faith in what's happened over the last six months let's just call it six okay. months really more like five months but i have a lot of faith in the last five months that now you know we've got eleven thousand facebook followers and 
we have we have I, I looked at the viewership when we were on last time on your show and thank you yeah. for having us on again. But Absolutely. I, I, I believe parents, you know, I believe it was it was nothing three months ago to have to sit down with a couple of realtors and they t- would tell me, are you out of your mind? This is one of the greatest high schools in the country. And I, I certainly wouldn't take issue. I'd say, well, help me understand. Why do you why do you think that? Well, just look at what's coming. Look, look at the last newsletter. And I'm like, OK, I get it. But let's really talk about let's really talk about these objective ways of viewing um you know what's going on in the district or the performance the, the colleges the kids are getting into now we're talking about 115 but when you look at 67 again what are the things that are going on so i i'm very hopeful that as more awareness builds up i think that'll manifest itself into what attention on the school board races and people realizing these elections really do matter and it's not a matter of having a collusive atmosphere with the superintendent and a path of least resistance approach to these critical policy areas. In other words, well, why do we give these raises? Well, they wanted it. Well, okay, but was that really being the best watchdog for the community? You know, so I'm not not saying that it's going to be easy, but I am optimistic that people are looking at the schools now in a way, and I'm not going to say just now, but people looking at schools now and and saying, hey, what, what do we have a right to expect in terms of, 65, 67, 115 districts and saying, what do we really think we should be being produced for our taxes? I don't know if you saw the survey that came out of um, Illinois Policy and Student Wire Points a few days ago, where it said like 75% of Illinoisans don't think they get their tax worth, their money's worth for what they pay in taxes. And of course, that- That low? That, you know, so, I, well, that's it. Well, it's exactly right. But that's that's what people are saying. So- but I, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that when people look at school board elections going forward, especially in the wake of this last uh, this last referendum, people look at these things and say, hey, we need we need a more earnest oversight perspective on what these school on what these school districts are doing. I would just say we're uh, we're into phase three of parents care. We're a, we're a startup <laughs> making it up as we go along. Um, and, uh, we're having some, we're having some fun and we think it's important work. Uh, but phase three is, is the people phase three is people. And so, uh, we are hearing from so many people and like, it's, it's funny. They're from different, different, from different groups, you know, that then, uh, you might expect it's a broad base of, of, of people who are reaching out to us saying, can't believe this. I can't believe that. I want to help out. I want to do this. And we encourage that. We, we haven't really focused on that much in the, in the, in the first, uh, you know, few months of our, of our existence. But now we, we feel that we've got the capacity and that, that, that it's important to start building up um, advocates and, and helping people take on responsibilities. And if they care about their kids and they care about their school district, we think that we can intake them and help, help them. And even, whether you agree with us and our editorial positions, or you disagree with us, we're happy to help empower you to become a, an advocate at your local public schools. And so um, just want to encourage people to do that. And I could give, if you don't mind, I could just give our website. It's uh, parentscare-lflb.com, parentscare-lflb.com. And you just kind of sign up and, um, you know, if you say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to talk with you guys. Um, 
It may not be tomorrow, you know, it may not be the next day, but we will definitely try to give you a call. Definitely will give you a call and, and have a chat with you and see how we can we can help empower you to become a stronger advocate for your children or your community. All right. Well, schools are very yeah. important. And Jeff and Philippe, before I forget, I want to say that if you guys are up for it, I'd love to have like a schools channel on the Lake Forest podcast, you know, just deals with schools because I have a lot of people at we, it's a community, a lot of people come on this show, different co-hosts. I mean, you guys are are, are co-hosts now if you're part of the school channel. Uh, and everybody has uh, a business card or everybody is getting influenced by somebody. So the stuff that we talk about on the school channel doesn't necessarily uh, reflect the opinions of anybody else that's a co-host on this show. But I do think it's important that we, we have it focused. We talk about the, the school stuff. Sometimes it's not flattery. Sometimes it's uh, uh, political, but it, but it is what it is. And if you want to have a place to go to, I like to have people that know more than me. I, I really don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. So you guys know more about the school stuff than myself. And you know what? I'd be even open to have you know Frank on you know to come on the show and hear what his, because he's the teacher of the group, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I think the next time we do this on the channel, Listen, you know, we'll, have a he, we're happy to help you, and, and and we'll vigorously try to find people who see it differently than we do because yeah. we, yeah. Jeff, Jeff's one of the smartest guys I know, you know, but he's not always right, and I'm definitely not always right, you know, and we have our opinions, and we 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 think it works better when there's multitude of play, you know, a, a lot of opinions out there uh, because ultimately it's it's the discussion that matters uh, to, to produce the positive change. We think there's too many echo chambers out there. This isn't going to be one of them. Sure. Right. And Don't unfortunately, have... depending on which, if you're far left or far right, you know, you that's your identity. We're hopefully talking to the, you know, the middle 70% that's, you know, they're the silent majority. Is that what they call it uh, guys? But well, well, we like you to... know, edu education by its nature is nonpartisan. Right. Everyone has a sincere a, a sincere personal interest in seeing this community schools environment thrive. And, and that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. And and that's why I think, you know, there's a there's a savage hypocrisy to going along with a narrative that's not accurate with respect to educational outcomes. To, because, like, again, the more you nod your head and say, oh, this is one of the greatest high schools in the nation. Oh, this is just great. I'm not doubting that it's a wonderful place, and I'm not doubting that wonderful people work there. But leadership has got to exert itself to achieve in any genre, whether it's philanthropy, you know, whether it's faith-based, whether it's business, the military, it doesn't matter. Leadership does count, and elections count. So I think that's, again, we. this is something we all want, and we do all share. Everybody does better with oversight. It's nothing yeah. personal. Everybody does better with oversight. If if you don't have goals, it's like having a compass with no needle on it. Which way's north? How do you know? Oh, great! I got the referendum. That's objective. Bam, payday. Yeah. Oh, by the way, library aids. Well, again, those objects are understandable. <laughs> it's understandable. If you want to pick hills to die on, I, I would say that any of these student-facing roles should be the last ones that are looked at for economization, especially in a wake of $106 million imminently flowing into these school districts, into, yeah. into 115. And 
in knowing as we've been through, there's a report called an ATSB report, which is required to be filed statutorily every year by October 1st. It tells you every person in the district, their compensation, their days off, their health and compensation or retirement yeah. compensation. Well, yeah, that's it's like it's like reading War and Peace, right? Nobody wants to do it. But when you go through that, you will develop a really healthy perspective on on, you know, where we put the actual the rubber hitting the road in terms of student outcomes. And again, I, I would just say anybody who's student facing, that should be the last people you look at eliminating jobs. I would say a little devil's advocate on that, Jeff, is that, you know, salaries are the biggest expense at our school mm -hmm. district, you know, and there's going to be a collective bargaining agreement going on in district 115 this year. And, uh, you, you know, while it may, it may be easy to be like, Hey, let's pay You know, let's, let's, let's blow the bank, you know, um, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be challenging, you know, it's going to be a very challenging bargaining. The inf inflation's coming around and uh, you know, the teachers are going to be wanting, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to be made right, uh, catch up mm -hmm. on the inflation. So there's going to be a lot and we just have to be, uh, you know, we have to understand and be realistic on, on when we talk about, you know, the, the student, the, the classroom teachers and stuff like that. Yeah. They, they need to be paid and they are well paid. I think vis-a-vis -vis other school districts in the, in the, in the, in the, in the state and definitely in the country, um, you know, uh, so we want to make sure that we have the best teachers, you know, but we also can't just be like, Hey, just blow the bank and like, you know, you know, uh, be sort of ideological about like investing in the, you know, the classroom teacher, because there's, there's um, serious tax consequences to doing that, you know, and, and no, no, absolutely. But what I'm, what I'm saying is in the hierarchy of priorities, what goes on in these classrooms. Sure. Is completely different than what goes on on the um as I like to refer to it the castle, yes. on forty three there, and I think it's important to always remember that you know I agree I agree with that I'm not gonna play devil's advocate to that. Well, I'd love to have those people that spoke up uh, with their two minutes or three minutes or whatever that was, and there was there was a lot of them. I'd love them to come out here because maybe it sounds like I'm ragging on the teachers a little bit, and but I'm also on the flip side saying you know to me that's just interesting timing where you get the big raise and you're going to lop off the 20 grand people. That's just right. So, so not to mention increasing taxes on every single person in Lake Forest and Lake Bluff, you know, uh, you know, also on the shadow of that, that's also an, a strange one, you know? So I love to have them come on here. Somebody else's perspective. And then guys, we'll make this a regular thing. We'll put, well, I'll start this as the first uh, schools channel. If I can figure out how to do it on, on YouTube, awesome. Jeff, this or watches it. I mean, what's kind of cool about our group is that we, you know, we agree on some things, we disagree on it, and we and we um, and we, uh, you know, hash it out. We've we've filled it on the three pillars, and we're looking to expand. You know, so if you disagree with us or agree with us, give us a call. We're looking to kind of bring more voices into the into the into it. So thank you, and, Pete, for what you're doing. We oh, miss Scoob. We miss Scoob, man. We, well, we, uh, it's a school thing, you know. This is this yeah, has nothing to do. This has nothing to do with Scoob. This is this is me. The yeah. editor, the uh, whatever you want to say. I am the Lake Forest Podcast. So if anybody's got a problem, uh, Dr. Montgomery, Melissa Oakley, you have my email. Yeah. If you ever need another vote, voting help, please, I, I'm sure you'll reach out to me. Um, <laughs> oh, guys. I hope they come on. I hope they come on. It's a, it's a great channel. So thank you very much. It really is. It really oh, is. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the pendulum's going the other way, guys. Just look at Tucker and the dude from CNN. People had enough of that crap. Yeah. All right, boys. The Lake Forest Podcast is supported by viewers, listeners, and businesses just like you. 
Looking for the best pool supplies? Look no further than Doheny's Pool Supplies. With a history dating back to 1967, this family-owned business offers everything families need to keep their pools clean and sparkling from chemicals to equipment. Plus, customers enjoy free shipping on all orders. Visit Doheny's Pool Supplies today at Doheny.com, D-O-H-E-N-Y.com to learn more. Forest Bluff Real Estate Team serves Illinois, Wisconsin, Lake Forest, and Lake Bluff. John Josephitis, Laura Lee Van Fleet, and of course, Michelle Parnell. Get a free market analysis now at forestbluffrealestate.com. For the best cannabis in the world, look no further than Iliad Epic Grow. Owned by Lake Bluff's own Rich Ruzich, they are a cannabis cultivation center focusing on hard-to-find small-batch products that will delight both the occasional user and Ganjier. When visiting Michigan, ask for it by name, Epic Products, Exceptional Process. For more information, email info at iliadgrow.com. Havy Communications has been helping first responders arrive safely since 1983. It's owned by Lake Forest own Mike Havy. Check them out at havycommunications.com. We'd also like to say we are thankful for our Patreon supporters. Matt A, Elizabeth C, Costa, Lance, Otto, RDM, John C. Shout out to the Lake Forest Breakfast Group, Broadstop and Captain Mike's in Kenosha, the Greentown Tavern, and the Frolic Lounge in Waukegan.